Marvel's Jessica Jones, a worthy successor to Daredevil, or the weak link in the Marvel chain. I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscore. Movie Review Podcast, and today we're not reviewing a movie. We are reviewing a TV show, Marvel's Jessica Jones. This debuted on Netflix on November the 20th. You can catch it now. All 13 episodes are available to stream. I really wish we were sponsored by Netflix, because that sounds like a really good ad. But we're not. But if you're thinking about it, Netflix, do it. Darren. Hello. We're talking about uh, Jessica Jones. I know. Let's do it. Let's. um, I mean, shall we start hmm. with just... Basic thoughts, as is a good place to start. Yes. Um, well, just just for the record, I watched all episodes in three days. I was finished by the Sunday night, essentially. I had a bit of a marathon on the Sunday to uh, play through them all yourself. I managed to get through the first four episodes on the first day, but then I had prior arrangements. On the following day, I got myself through up to episode 11, and on my final day, I've watched the last two. So, yeah, three days again. Uh, but I went three days successively to play myself through. This is purely because uh, I do have a written review up on foulentertainment.com if you do want to go and read it. Darren, I know that yours is also out on yes. uk as well. So you can go and read our long-form reviews if you want to. Uh, mine goes a heck of a lot in depth, like stupidly in depth. Mine doesn't. I know, I read it. It's still good, but like yours is very much a, a tightly compact review, whereas I do rattle on quite a lot. But let's try and focus on... The goods, the bads, the could have beens, the should have beens of Jessica Jones. Although, I don't feel like it did a lot wrong. I did like Jessica Jones. I think that, compared to Daredevil, I think making a direct comparison to Daredevil is the incorrect thing to do because Jessica Jones is by far and away a different beast to Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Daredevil to me seemed like... Put it, we'll put it this way. Marvel's TV series are doing a heck of a lot similar to what the movies are doing. The movies now are becoming genre pieces. I mean, um, Guardians of the Galaxy is their take on Star Wars. You've got Thor, which is their take on the Game of Thrones-style universe. You've got Winter Soldier, which is a spy thriller. You've got Ant-Man, which is a Ocean's Eleven-style host movie. To that end, Daredevil is a kind of The Wire meets martial arts, and Jessica Jones is more in the vein of a psychological thriller. Think a phone booth or panic room in long form. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say instead of them going for different genres in the TV world, it very much feels like each show is about a very different theme. Um, The Daredevil was about the darkness of violence. This is about the darkness of relationships, really. Kind of. Because it centres on what is essentially, although it is very warped, it is a failed relationship. Um, A lot of heavy tones get brought into this, um, including rape, which I wasn't expecting, because this is still Disney. And this is something that's actually brought over from the comic books very well. This is something I think, again, talking in broad strokes, Daredevil does a fantastic uh, representation of the Man Without Fear story arc, but does take its own direction, where this is this is much more a very close retelling of the Alias comics. Quite close in terms of the first couple of episodes, anyway. Mm-hmm. Before it spins off into wanting to do its own thing and doing things the MCU way. The introduction to the universe and indeed most of the backstory is one for one from the comics, which is very cool to see. 
not something that Marvel's ever really done. They've not done a straight adaptation ever. They've taken hints and 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 themes from comic books. They've never done a straight. Yeah, I've never read the Alias comics. I have almost. Right, I say almost. I have no um, experience with Jessica Jones as a character or anybody else in this story, really. Even Luke Cage, I'm only vaguely familiar with who he is. Um, so let's start with Jessica Jones, played by Kristen Ritter. Spelt Kristen. K-R-Y. No. Um, bad. I. She was in Breaking Bad. She was good in Breaking Bad, although playing a largely different character. Yes, but I think ultimately... She was better suited to her Breaking Bad character than she was Jessica Jones. Mm, interesting stuff. I'm still not sold on Kristen Ritter as an actress. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who can convey a character with that level of, say, um, dry... I mean, there's a lot of dryness to to, mm-hmm. to Ritter's version of Jones, which is very true from the comic books. It's She's a hard-talking, hard-fighting heavy drinking person she's a person with a troubled past and obviously that comes across very well in Kristen Ritter's cold deadpan performance which I think suits the character very very well you do have a lot of emotional vulnerability with her character of Jane in Breaking Bad yes Jesse Pinkman's girlfriend from series two and whilst you do see a heck of a lot of depression in that character and you know a victim of circumstance I think that Written's performance as Jones is what would happen if that character had a spine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that a lot of keys from Breaking Bad do come into this role. And really, again, it's because it's so close to the comics is that it's very hard to think about who could play um, Jessica Jones other than Ritter. But then again, we've never seen anybody else try. Okay, let me take that in a slightly different direction. My, My thing is, what I ultimately said in my written review, how I kind of... Because I was saying, what about it is that I am not... I'm not saying she did a bad performance. Please don't take that... Please don't take this the wrong way. I think as an adaptation of the Jessica Jones in the Alias comics, from what I know, nailed it. Straight out of the park. But I think ultimately what I landed on was her story makes her very sympathetic and um, empathetic, but I never found her likeable. You may be not supposed to, that's not what they're ultimately driving at, but I think when you're spending 13 episodes with a character, especially when she's the main one, you have to like her at least a little bit. She has a lot of trauma that is all on show, and this is the the journey of kind of working through it, but she's not someone like, for example, I'm not now thinking, I can't wait for Jessica Jones season two. I'll get to my feelings on the whole series in a little bit, but yes, I think she just lacked a little bit of likability, and... Once an episode, Christian Ritter would play... It wouldn't be deadpan, it would just be wooden acting, in my opinion. She would just say a few lines that's like, you're not really giving me the oomph here that I really could do with. I think you've nailed it on the head is that she doesn't feel sympathetic, but I think that No, she does feel sympathetic. No, 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 but not all the time. Right. And I think that actually is a testament as to why Ritter does the, the role well. Because this series takes Jessica Jones and makes her more morally ambiguous and does make her a heck of a lot more dark and troubled than even the comic counterpart um are we can we do spoilers let's save spoilers for a little bit okay because i do want to talk about and i'll talk about it later on in more detail there is a scene in the ninth episode of this series where the lines between where jessica actually sits on this whole spectrum of heroes blurs so much Mm -hmm. and you can see the characters reacting around her 
not being able to justify her actions, not being able to defend her anymore until it's made clear why she's doing what she's doing. And that kind of build-up and payoff, especially for 50 minutes an episode at a time, is very well paced. And I think that, again, because it's so cold and because it's so wrought with trauma and very, very layered, you understand why sometimes it can come across as a little bit wooden because it's very hard to convey this many conflicting emotions at one time. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's a good thing, but then again, that's me once again coming from a drama standpoint. Because you did do an acting degree. I did do an acting degree. Um, Well, okay, let's... I remain on the fence with with Christian Ritter. So let's move on to someone I can... I can give a big roaring thumbs up to, and that is Mike Coulter as Luke Cage, a.k.a. Dreamboat. Oh, my Lord. I was very surprised at Mike Coulter. Now, obviously, we were... You can listen to old podcasts before the the Marvel heroes were cast. In fact, we only had Daredevil at that point. And we were very very against anyone other than Terry Crews being Luke Cage. (laughs) He really wouldn't have fit in this story. No, not really. I still think it should have happened. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. That probably wouldn't have worked as well. Actually, putting... Cage into this universe, though, I think Mike Coulter's done a very, very good job of it. Yep. He's made him likeable, which is where he's supposed to be. He's made him charismatic, which is where he's supposed to be. And I don't know, I really like the aspect that whenever he was in a fight scene, it looked like no effort was was being put out. It's very much a case that he throws a guy across his bar in the second episode with the flick of his wrist, and he looks totally bored. Mm. That's beautiful comedy. I like the bit where the guy just goes to it's obviously when he smashes the ball off his head or when he goes to stab him and he's just like a roll of the eyes like yes. sigh like it's as he cracks it off his head yeah it's like this again right and now in comparison to Jessica Jones I am really looking forward to Luke Cage's own series now I don't think they overexposed him I think when, when I found out he was going to be because in my head I thought he'll turn up at the start he'll turn up at the end but he will not be a quote-unquote main character I'd say he is He's only absent for three episodes, perhaps. He's mentioned in every one of them. Yeah. He's a present throughout the show, but in terms of actually Mike Coulter being there, it's probably only three episodes where he's not present. In, in terms of secondary characters, he's probably second only to to Trish Walker. Yeah. he's. I mean, Trish Walker is in every episode as far as I'm aware. I think so. I think so. Um, and like you say, he gets mentioned in every other one. There are a few episodes where he's absent, for reasons which you'll find out when mm-hmm. you do watch the show. Um, and again, it's possibly because, again, we're going to get a 13-episode run with Coulter's case. Well, they didn't overexpose him, which was the worry. He was the right amount. And you're right, charismatic. He even had some funny lines. Like when he said, uh, he, he's just... It's probably not much of his voice. When he's just hooked up with Jessica Jones and he goes, Jessica's been a bit off him. He's like, it's not a race thing, is it? And Jessica gives him this look. And he says, oh, I'm only joking. But is it? Yeah, <laughs> I really liked him. I, I, I like. Some people are saying he's a bit boring. No, I know. I disagree. I, I think they're mistaking kind of coolness, which is we are two white guys talking about cool <laughs> coolness for. But I can see how they could they could come to that conclusion. I'm not necessarily disagreeing them, but I personally probably my second favorite performance in the entire series. Definitely, I would I would say that it's up there. Well, let's talk about Trish. Yep, uh, you I. Remember, when we did the Daredevil review, you weren't a massive fan of... What was her name? The Ginger. Oh, Karen Amos as... Ah, um, uh, what's her name? Matt Murdock and, and... and Karen Page. Karen Page. And I was. 
I found she was like the unexpected highlights. I didn't come into the show thinking I was like, Trish was was getting there. I thought when she shows a few flashes of like, especially when she's not in conflict with um, with with um, Jessica Jones when she's playing off her. I thought there was potential there. I don't think it's ever fully realised, but I think she was a nice addition to the cast. I would actually agree this time. I, I do think that they've actually put, a, in this case, a secondary leading lady in a very good position. They built her up quite remarkably. They put her in a position where if they did want to do everything that she's in the comics, they can, which mm-hmm. is nice. And I do think that given that she's the only other person in the ragtag bunch of Jessica Jones' friends that doesn't have superpowers, mm-hmm. I think she's a very nice addition. She, I think she was... In a show so burdened with trauma, I could have done with one character that wasn't. So Trish with the... It was very interesting they went down the child the child star route and, and, and did that stuff, which plays off both of her origins in the comic books, where she was originally not even in Marvel. She was on a Marvel offshoot that was like literally aimed at teenage girls, and she was like this teen pop sensation. Then they brought her in to become Hellcat. Um... I, I liked I liked what they did, but I thought I could have done without this. I could have done with at least a slight ray of sunshine in the show. And she's an inescapably the hacker girl from the first Transformers movie. That too. But the question is, do you, inescapably. Want, do you want to see her as Hellcat, though? I think the Hellcat costume's stupid, but... Okay, well, when she When she, like, something happens later on in the show where you see a glimpse of what that could be... I could dig that. She's she's more excitable than Jessica Jones ever is. So. I think there's glimpses of that all the way through, but obviously I know the moment you're talking about yep. when you watch the show, you'll know which one it is too. There is space to have Patsy Walker help the Defenders out. She'll have to be a very <laughs> low-tier superhero, yes. but a superhero nonetheless. Who else? Well, on the side of the light, you've got um, her from the Matrix. Oh, you mean Jerry Hogarth? Yes, Carrie Ann Moss? Oh god! Did I? I said carry on. You said carry on for carry on Page. That's what threw me off. Um, that's that's. Oh, what's I'll it? look her up in a minute. Something um, Waller. Anyway, yes, carry on. Moss carry on actually Moss plays from Trinity from the Matrix. Plays um, Jerry Hogarth, the lawyer who has a very crowbarian divorce storyline. It's the plot. She is like, more plot than character. Yeah, I don't which think Carrie Moss does a bad job. Which is a shame because any other time, I think that story would be quite interesting and cool. Um, the very idea that they've actually made Jerry Hogarth a gender swap version of Jerry Hogarth, who you might know from the Iron Fist comics, um, actually adds a lot of weight to the side story. If it were en- in any other show, it feels misplaced inside Jessica Jones. It feels something that we don't really get all that in- interested and invested in until episode 11. Mm-hmm. That's a slow burner. It is. What I could have done with, <clears throat> it's a problem I have with the series that people have pointed out in reviews. With Daredevil, he had many different things to take care of. Ultimately, it was all boiled down to him versus the Kingpin, but there was the Hand, the Chinese, the Russians. The, the, the. They could have Case of the Week episodes in, in Daredevil where he's kind of tackling this very specific problem. I think had they done the divorce episode as a really focused, what Jessica Jones is trying to get away from the Kilgrave stuff and he's concentrating on this case and trying to literally she says out loud I don't want to think about that right now it seems to recede I'm going to focus on this get my mind off it something like that I think it could have worked but the fact it just kept popping up in episode after episode we were spending time with 
the loyal woman from Sons of Anarchy. That annoyed me all season. I was like, <laughs> I have seen you somewhere. I watched Sons of Anarchy the day after. I think. He's like, oh, there she is. Um, yeah, could do without that. He pays off relatively well. But yeah, she's someone I'm looking more forward to. If they do a season two, or if, which she's in the Defenders or in the Iron Fist comic book, I look more, more forward to seeing Carrie Ann Moss do more. Yeah, true. She, more than just literally drive her subplot. Yes, basically just she just pushes the uh, the Jessica Jones plot forward. That's all she does here. I want it to be more uh, rounded. Should we get another stab at her? Now, speaking of plot, the main driving force, and what many people are identifying as the best thing about Jessica oh, Jones. Oh, there's one more character one we can more talk character about we're doing, before yeah, we talk okay. about Okay, who? Uh, Will Simpson. Oh, God, Nuke! He's Nuke. Um, well, he's, he's he's Nuke in all but name and tattoo. Yes. Um, yeah, he's, he was... Um, I didn't know he was in this series. I've never heard... I, I vaguely heard of Nuke. Um, and yeah, he, he's brought in as a kind of... Someone you think is going to be a disposable cop character. And then he sticks around a bit more. I didn't like him. I loved him. I thought he was great. I think he was the surprise of the series. Go on then, Michael. Um... Now, it's no strange to anybody who's read any of my Pop Culture Club articles that when I was discussing Daredevil, I was like, and then there's this one crazy-ass guy called Nuke who has a tattoo painted, like a tattoo of the American flag on his face and he takes drugs to become a superhero. I was like, that'll never happen. Then they cast him. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then I was like, well, maybe he will have. And then, No, he doesn't have the tattoo. But what you do get is an interesting arc to his story. What You don't get a one-for-one one translation from the comics, but as we've talked about many times, those comics are complete batshit. What we do get is, instead of Frank Simpson, we get Will Simpson, um, a NYPD cop who gets caught up in the tale um, after he is tricked by Kilgrave into the attempted murder of Patsy Walker. Doesn't work out all that well because Jessica Jones knocks him out, and then he's like, I want to help out because I feel bad about everything. Things don't go well. I don't want to spoil what happens, but things don't go particularly well for him. And he re-enters himself into an experimental drug program uh, that allows him to have heightened strength and endurance and a numbness to pain, as well as raising his endorphin levels and making him more excitable and more passionate about battle. This is the origins of a very different nuke. And in the interviews surrounding it, Will Tavall, who plays him, was saying what he wanted to make it much more different from the comics. I think the seeds are there to make it as crazy as the comics. And I know that the TV stuff isn't going crazy and colourful. But I don't want a tattooed face nuke. I want a batshit nuke though. We've got the roots for it to happen. I really want it to go full force. See my problem with it was. I just didn't like the actor. I, 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 I never really connected with performance on, on any level. Because I didn't think he had... Or at least he didn't display the acting skills to kind of really show this worsening mental state. I'll give Kristen Ritter that. And Trish Walker, who actually does a much better job of just kind of showing her descent into quote-unquote madness and the effect that Kilgrave and everybody else around him is having on him. Will, Will it just one episode, he he's crazy and mental. Then he goes normal, and then it's a complete flip of the switch, and he's mental again. But... Even when he was being mental, I wasn't enjoying the performance. He's just a little flat for me. He was just like... He felt like a distraction more so than like a sub-boss, which is what you want someone like him to be. He was just a nuisance. I was like, oh, now we've got to deal with him. Shoot. 
I think when you think about it more in terms of a dark reflection of what could have Captain America have been, it does become a better performance. I'm open to a season two revival. I, 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 not that I'm excited again, as I've stated, but there's something there. You are right. They've sown some seeds for something interesting. Whether they come to fruition, I don't know. I don't think I can stand him as the actual as the actual main villain for a second season. No, I no. couldn't take a season worth of him. Nuke has never been a main villain. As no. as a crazy side villain, sure. As kind of like a we've got this ever present threat, but now this guy's kicking off and killing folk. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. I would like that. If like I say, because because Daredevil's getting Punisher, it's not entirely without the stretch of the imagination for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones to have to work together to bring down a bigger bad whilst at the same time like and also nukes back. That'd be cool. I'd be fine with that. Well, that's kind of the problem I have with this season. But we'll move on now to the main event. Yay! You're excited, aren't you? I Michael? am excited because I love this gentleman. I'm excited too. Because um, you can finally say that you love this gentleman. I can finally enjoy David Tennant in a show. I've waited so long for a piece of media with David Tennant to come along that I can enjoy and it's finally friggin' happened. This man has apparently never watched Broadchurch, but we'll leave that wherever it is. I, I have admittedly not seen Broadchurch. It's very yeah. good. But, of course, we're not here to talk about Broadchurch. We're talking about Kilgrave, the third best Marvel villain, potentially second. Uh, I'm guessing you're putting Loki and the Kingpin above him. Yes. Okay. Um, he He's... He's very interesting. Very interesting. Very and that's, interesting. That's a very... Um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Interesting. No. Um, Are you sure it's not interesting? Sorry, and that's an understatement. Right. A, a large understatement, because Kilgrave is possibly one of the most, at least on a psychological level, deep, developed, and broken characters that we've ever had in anything to do with Marvel. It's definitely one of the biggest risks taken by the company so far. Even to the point, I mean, yes, Daredevil had Kingpin lopping a guy's head off in a car door, but you expected that. Mm -hmm. The very fact that nobody really knew who Kilgrave or the Purple Man was, they took a huge risk by making him not only the main villain, but as messed up as he is in the comics. Mm -hmm. Really messed up. I really enjoyed that, though. Because David Tennant does a really good performance in which... His powers are the power of persuasion, basically. It's on a whole different level to what I've just described, but that is essentially what it is. And there's essence of that running all the way through his portrayal. There are times where the Purple Man is kind of charming and funny and witty, but he's never more than a few centimetres away from being a truly detestable human being. They never shy away from the fact that he's awful and has done awful things and there is no redemption for him. They even flirt with this a little bit in one of the episodes um, where Jessica Jones tries to force redemption onto him. It's ultimately a smokescreen, but still. And he's still an awful human being. I like that. Like Kingpin, they allowed him to be slightly sympathetic. I never got that with Kilgrave. It's the thing, is that what Kingpin has in intimidation, Mm -hmm. I feel that Purple Man has in just pure terror. The thing about Kingpin is he's a physically intimidating big man who will knock you out, yeah. will kill you if he needs to. The weird thing about Purple Man <coughs> is that he doesn't need to do any of that. If he wants to, he will just say, oh, kill yourself, go on. If he wants to torture you, he will. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't feel like it, he's not going to. He might keep you around. He might tell you to go about your day for two weeks, having a lovely time, and then just conveniently place your head in a blender 
that's the kind of man he is. And to have that, to have a man who is so who behaves like a child, a lot of very yeah. childish his performance, and to have that blurred line between a playful villain and at the same time a truly psychotic one to the level which we just haven't seen in Marvel no. is genius. It's absolute genius, and I don't think anybody could have done it better than David Tennant. I will go on record and saying this is probably my best. This is probably my favourite use of powers in all of of Marvel in just the many and varied creative ways they use the what is essentially a a, a long standing and kind of played out trope of like he's essentially a psychic. You know, Professor X has shown to do this in the X movie in the X Men movie, so as the Phoenix, etc. etc. But this is the first time we've seen it in the hands of a villain. And it's used so well on like varying scales. One of the good things is it's very rare that you actually see the purple man do the terrible thing right up and centre. For example, in the first episode, you see somebody kill their parents, and Purple Man isn't even there. He isn't even in that episode, I don't think, other than like a few flashes here and there. And that means that you can... There is a nice kind of divorcing. So when he's saying, I've never killed anybody, it's true, you've never actually... Until the later episode, you don't actually see him kill anybody or be directly influenced people to kill themselves. It's all just incidental. You know it's him, but again, a nice divorcing off the two. And then, you, like again, varying scouts. So killing people all the way down to throw that coffee in your face. Pfft, go stand against that wall and, and pee yourself. Don't blink whilst you're looking for Jessica Jones. I really love the many creative ways they used it here. And even though I think David Tennant gives one of the performances of his, his career... His best. He's one of his Hand best. Out. I really like the fact that even when Kilgrave doesn't appear, you're constantly thinking about him. What's he planned? What's he doing right now? What has he said? Are we being controlled? Paranoia runs through this series, and it's a beautiful, beautiful way of doing it. Yeah, it, it's it's a genius... I know it was inventing the comic books, but it's a genius concept for a TV show. Because as you said, he's then a constant threat. And that almost turns into a horror movie at some times. You were that scared on tenterhooks that anybody at any time could just wheel around and start shooting people. Because if he can control the likes of the people he ends up controlling, there is just no stopping that man. He is almost untouchable if he's smart enough. Um, and yeah, they, they, they there is one episode where you you think they're about to make him sympathetic. They start showing his childhood and how kind of broken it is, and then. Ten seconds later, you're back to, oh no, he's a bastard. He's a truly evil bastard who needs to die. And, yeah. We'll get into spoilers in a second, so we can talk even more about Kilgrave. Because Kilgrave's just wonderful. Yes. Can um, we talk a little bit about how the show is so different to everything else that Marvel have done so far? Because I feel like... <coughs> I feel like saying that this show is just... Oh, it's, it's different. You may enjoy it, you may not. Is not helping out why people really, really like Jessica Jones, because in many ways, it is not a superhero show. What's the thing? It's almost incidental that Jessica Jones has superpowers. She sometimes forgets she has them until she has to use them. That's what I really liked about this. It didn't feel like a superhero show. I do like, and this is going to sound like a weird thing to enjoy, I do like the way that the relationship between Luke Cage and Jessica Jones shows what it's like to be in a relationship and have intimacy and sex shown when you both have powers the great thing is uh, this is not a spoiler because this Michael is Michael like shagging I'd like shagging um, there's two the first two episodes have a sex scene in each one in the first one you see them both holding back 
thinking that they're going to hurt each other or kill each other. And in the second one, where they both know what they're capable of, again, it's a weird thing to enjoy, but I just like that it showed off these people finally being comfortable. Because mm-hmm. you don't get that a lot. I mean, yes, Tony Stark's a playboy. He's very comfortable with his lifestyle. Captain America's a true patriot and loves his country. But the incidental heroes around them, the people in the fallout of the Battle of New York, for example, or the end of Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., these people are scared. They're running away from their own realities. And to see a community develop, which will then lead into the Defenders, is fucking cool. I like... The fact, this is one of my favourite things. This feels like the most realistic portrayal of a relationship in the Marvel Universe. Yes. Because you have the likes of Pepper Potts and, and Robert Denny and, Robert Denny and um, Tony Stark. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but... And it, it's just... It's a, it's a movie romance. It's kind of whimsical and quick and easy and simple, hand into glove kind of thing. There's a bit of conflict in the movies that has to be thrown in there, but... This feels realistic. Again, it's just it's just better, easier to do these things on TV. You have a longer form. You can make more rounded, three-dimensional characters. I really like that relationship. I, I will go on record saying I don't want it to turn up in Luke Cage. I I would see more Luke Cage as being a very separate story. Jessica Jones, by all means, can turn up at the end and, and, and be here and there. I'd say that to the defences now and say, yes, these two are on and off. It's, they're not... You know, going out with or anything, but it's going to happen because again, that's more realistic. You don't from what happened between these two characters, they're not just going to go straight back together like nothing's just happened. There's a lot to work through, which we'll get to in the spoilers. Um, what else is there to mention? Um, I would have liked more. This is non-spoilery. I would have preferred to see more time of Jessica Jones under the influence of Kilgrave, the kind of the the lost year, so to put it, where she was under his control. I sure. think I would have enjoyed more of that. Uh, there isn't a great amount to show of Kilgrave's will, but you hear a lot about it. Mm-hmm. You hear about what Kilgrave's capable of, what he has done, what he's made Jessica do, what he's made other people do. You get a greater sense of, as you say, the lost year and a lot of the middle time between uh, child Kilgrave, which we see at some point in the show, and Kilgrave as we know him today. And you fill in the blanks, and sometimes those blanks should be left unfilled. To add mystery to the character, to, you know, make him all the more menacing if you don't know exactly what happened. I, okay. I get where you're coming from. I understand it. But what I'm saying is I'm glad that we got the focus that we did because the revelations shown in the sh- in the actual TV show itself are more satisfying than... And there was this one time where he went to the supermarket and forced everybody to put a banana up their nose or something like that. Okay. <laughs> I once told a man to go scream himself. How do you think that went? On? That's a beautiful line. I and the that. Obi-Wan Kenobi line as yeah, well. Good, yeah, good old Star Wars um, Okay, well, just before we get to the spoilers, everybody in that building that Jessica Jones leaves is irritating. Yeah. Malcolm, not so much. I kind of enjoyed his character, but that Robin woman. Ugh. My God, she was awful. Yeah, didn't um, enjoy it. Uh, the, the, the kind of Kilgrave um, Survivors Club. That was an okay idea, but I think it just went on too long. I thought it was going to be like a one and done type of thing. A one and done would have been fine. It's just but you did, but you got a greater sense of Malcolm, who's played by Eka Darville, I believe. I believe it's Eka Darville. I could be saying his uh, last name incorrectly. I know it's definitely Eka. He was in a Power Rangers series. How about that? Sweet. Yay. Um, but I believe it's Eka Darville who played Malcolm. Starts off as like you think he's just going to be this annoying junkie side character, but then again, spoilers happen. And he starts helping out Jessica. And it's genuinely like, you see the levels with which the superhero community is going to go down to. Mm-hmm. 
and you understand why these side characters actually do matter, which is yeah. really cool. Yep. And finally, in a little bit of that note, no Daredevil cameo. No, that's not really a spoiler. But then again, we would have heard about it if yeah. there was going to be one because it would. Have I been thought the he would have movies. like. They would have gone to Nelson Murdoch. Yeah, I uh, thought that was going to happen. But there was a video on the Twitter page for Jessica Jones showing her picking up a Nelson and Murdoch business card. So we're on the right lines. Um, okay, overall thoughts? It's a fantastic series. Don't go into the series expecting Daredevil again because, spoiler alert, we're getting that next year in mm-hmm. Series 2. But if you want something unique the really delves into the psychological matters of what it means to be a superhero... To what it means to try to exist in the world as a normal person, even though you are faced with a terrible past or living with these abilities that you didn't ask for, that you weren't hoping for. You're just trying to be a normal person and get along, whilst at the same time you do have one of the darkest pasts of any Marvel mo- like movie or TV hero. There's a... Sorry, you... Okay, okay. You okay. Want- if you want to say something... No, I've just had no, I've had a realisation that I'll tell you in a second. Okay, fair enough. It's a great series. Look, it's as long as Daredevil. You're, you're going to enjoy it if you enjoy Daredevil or Marvel. But even if you like psychological thrillers, if you like stuff like Criminal Minds and stuff like that, I would say give this a go because it's very much up your street. So they're trying to do a realistic portrayal of what it would be like to be a superhero in the real world. They've gone down and looked at the violence of what a superhero would go through in Daredevil. The kind of relationship and, and, and that kind of deal. They're trying to make the Marvel equivalent of the Watchmen. Oh, no. <laughs> they just come to me, I was like, well, she's kind of like the Silk Spectre, and Daredevil's kind of like Night Owl and Rorschach. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and it's already better. My god! Whoa, no! You know I not defend. the not the Watchmen comic. Come on! I like the Watchmen movie. I'm not saying I don't like the Watchmen Any movie. Any the, the 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 way I compare it because people are going to want the comparison to Daredevil on its own. Jessica Jones, I thought was a good series. I obviously enjoyed it because I played through it at such a speed. Um, I think between the two, Jessica Jones. It's probably more consistent. Yeah. There, there's there's a noticeable drop off in pacing in Daredevil. In in the, near the end, there's a kind of a, a bit of a lull. That doesn't happen in Jessica Jones, but I don't think as much as it doesn't really meet the lows of Daredevil, it never gets anywhere near the highs of Daredevil for me. Kilgrave as a character, fantastic. Daredevil, uh, uh, David Tennant knocked it straight out of the park. I liked Luke Cage. I'm really excited to see him. But as I said, I'm okay with not seeing a Jessica Jones season two. I'm looking forward to her in The Defenders and her interactions. She's a character like, I'm looking forward to taking her out of this world and putting her into other ones. Yeah. As opposed to seeing her back in this world. Um, yeah. Kilgrave, fantastic. Luke Cage, fantastic. I'm looking forward to Jessica Jones and other things. But, and again, good series, but... I'd say Daredevil's better. It doesn't sag in the middle. That's something I just want to say. Because, like you said, it's consistent. It doesn't sag in the middle. If you want something that keeps the tension up, God, watch this. Because mm-hmm. it's so There are some fantastic episodes in the middle. Oh, my God. There yes. really is. There's Come a bit of a false ending at one point, which should be... Yeah. But but it, it, builds, to a very, it builds to a satisfying crescendo. Yeah. I'll give it that. So if you've got 13 spare hours, now's the time to use them and go and watch the entire series. Because from here on out, it's spoiler territory. Spoiler! Right, can I say the mm. biggest disappointment about this? Because mm. whilst I like giving this entire show praise, there's one point, singular point of contention I have. And Go on. that is that they killed off the Purple Man right at the end. 
Now you see. Now I know it was necessary. I know it had to be done. But it means we don't get any more purple man, and that makes me sad. That does make me sad too. But I don't think you could have ended this series in any other way than Killgrave gets killed. No, it had to happen. I don't think there's there's and that was like the same. It comes to a very satisfying conclusion because they just do too much and have too much for the Kilgrave character in his past that he's done and he's murdered these people, he's raped people. He had to die. I don't think there's a justifiable way to keep him alive. And again, I agree. It's sad that he's not going to be there, but I I am. Um, I think it would have been a disservice to the character. I don't think I would have liked the performance as much if he hadn't have died. It's a very weird situation. Do you, do you know why I really wanted him to stay alive? Go on. Because if the bigger picture of, of Marvel's properties, as it stands now, continues... We, Fantastic Four 2 got cancelled the other day. Yay! Yay! It's not happening. Which means the rights will probably revert back to Marvel. Which means we finally get... You Doom know, in the MCU! Yes. Doom in the MCU! But from that, there's a really cool bit in the comics where Purple Man and Doom team up. And basically they create this machine that's able to amplify um, Purple Man's powers. Yes. And it works really well. And Purple Man thinks, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it on Doom. Mm. And he tries. And Doom takes off his hood and takes off his mask and says, and like, looks at him and went, go on, use your powers on me. And he tells him to kill himself. And he's like, no. He's like, why can't I do it? He says, look at this face. Do you think that this face fears anything other than myself? I am Doom. Sit down. It's like, that's beautiful. I that want is. that to happen, but no, Purple Man's No. Dead. Well, like I said, I don't think I would have enjoyed... The character as a complete arc was very satisfying. Oh, for beautiful. the reason that Jessica Jones got to reap the ultimate revenge. I could have done with a bit more of a flashy kill than just a uh, snap. Could have more that. I like the fact he started turning purple. Yeah, as they amplified his powers, he did turn a subtle shade of purple. Um, I thought that you know when the, he made the final injection, and yes, he started to st- st- like come turn. through. I thought it was going to be not like block purple, but I thought it was going to be like tinged, tinged or like blotchy or something. Yeah, like that. yeah I thought yeah, they were yeah. going to go for it full on, but they didn't. But yeah, I, this is again the difference between him and Kingpin. I'm happy that Kingpin survived the season two. That's yeah. somebody who you have to see his influence grow, whereas. There is many places they could have took Kilgrave, but it would have felt like they were retreading the same territory. How much more worse could they have made him? Also, this sounds a bit stupid, but like, given that he has this strange origin in the in the Marvel comics, mm-hmm. I'm glad they did a, a new version of it where he's he's not somebody who who is born with his powers and has used them in terrible, terrible ways over mm-hmm. the years. He's somebody who gains them in a tragic, I say accident, in a tragic experiment. experiment. Yeah, but he's. All of that fear gets taken away when you learn that his name's Kevin, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to Zebediah Kilgrave, wow. which is just a cool name. But he, he obviously he says that Kilgrave is a name that he's given himself. Well, this is what... I, I like the jabs towards it as well. <laughs> yeah, Murder Corpse. <laughs> Murder Corpse wasn't available. Like... <laughs> I like that when in that episode where they captured Kilgrave and put him in the tank. Um, Sinbin is the best episode, by yes. the way. Episode 9 is by amazing. Far. When they start to turn him sympathetic, I was like, oh, I don't go down this road. I don't want people to start feeling sorry for him. The second he's parenting there and he just tells his mom to straight up stab herself to death. <laughs> amazing. Because like, you're thinking maybe like maybe he's just a tortured child. Maybe he can't, he's unable to blur these uh-huh. lines. As we've seen, he's a morally ambiguous character. Like you said, he... My, that's my favourite line of the entire series is like I thought it was a good idea for that man to blow his brains out and you want to leave me alone to be a hero it's like 
Wow, he that's actually so good. real deep. But yeah, like you said, as soon as like, because the music starts cutting out at that point and the door gets unlocked, yeah. his parents go and you're like, oh no, 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 you know I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows it's going to happen and you kind of don't want it to happen and then it's just, pick up the knife. I'm like, oh no. Um, I've never loved a villain more. I will say that. I mean, Loki's great and Kingpin's wonderful, but I've never wanted to just watch a villain wreak havoc. It's like, you like seeing Loki get punched. You like seeing Kingpin lose eventually. But I'd have just, in a weirdly sadistic way, I'd have been happy just watching Kilgrave tear shit up. Yes, but I... I did genuinely feel like I can't wait to see this man die. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait for Jessica Jones to kill him. The, um, uh, again, what we're going to talk about, this isn't episode, this is episode eight. This is what would Jessica do? Um, yep. Where they have the conversation. And I want to congratulate the show for doing this, for bringing up the topic of rape without feeling like it's a token. Yeah. Without, feeling, without having to show it. Especially well. just a women heavy series. By the way, it's great. Like, Someone points out that like it's great that there's a women heavy cast and so rarely they ever talking about their feelings towards men and relationship goals and all sorts of crap. You could be you could be forgiven for thinking that Jessica Jones' main lover was called Whiskey because that's yeah. all, mostly all she talks about. She enjoys that. Too. She does like the whiskey, but that conversation that takes place when they're talking about um, Jessica's lost year and and. It's very hard hitting when when the word rape is dropped in that conversation, mm-hmm. and while some people have not taken kindly to it, of course I haven't, and, of, and a lot of others have, and say that it handles it very maturely. Mm-hmm. I think it's very well done. Yeah, I think it's handled in such a way where it doesn't need the shock value. It doesn't need to show no, please stop. It just, it shows it tells you this is the reality of the situation you put me under. Mm-hmm. You will never be forgiven for that. That's what I like. They didn't. They went full bore with, with Kilgrave. Um, okay, other spoilery stuff I'd like to discuss. The fact that Jessica Jones killed Luke Cage's wife, yeah. that was kind of muddled for me. I didn't need that. I, that could have not been included in that still. They could have still got Luke Cage and Jessica Jones in the same bar at the same time without that. It just felt too convenient. Yeah. Like, she happened to have this information in his past. Why? We don't, we don't even know what she does for a job. Is she an investigator? Investigator. Try again. An investigatory journalist, is she looking into all these Kilgrave... Is she a private eye like fucking Jessica Jones was? We just don't know. That I could have done without. Um, small little tidbits. The bush crash happened on January 20th, my birthday. That freaked me out. Cause weird. I was like, Bleh, that's me. <laughs> um, also, yet another Netflix show where the elderly black person does not make it out alive. <laughs> What have they got against elderly black people? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Wow, I thought he was like, well, you know, they killed off a uh, what's his face in Daredevil, um, Ben 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 Uric. Ben Uric, and I thought this guy, no, no. <laughs> shot point blank in the head. Yeah, <laughs> he went down. That, that entire scene, it's, um, scene where where shit goes awry, and mm-hmm. you start to see some of the side characters get offed. Really satisfying to watch in a weird way. Like I said, Kilgrave makes. Um, terrible acts of murder and and like sort of a cultish behaviour be really appealing but what I do want to focus on slightly is uh, the nods to the wider Marvel universe which we can now talk about obviously there's no Daredevil cameo which is a bit of a shame mm-hmm. not even by Matt Murdock not by no. Foggy we get we get Rosario Dawson's Claire Temple in there that felt awkward 
it was necessary though because she's clearly I going suppose. to be the MCU's version of Night Nurse. Obviously, she's now patched up two superheroes yeah, yeah. on screen mm-hmm. that we know of. I, f- I, I it just felt too again convenient. And yeah, like I mean, I, I did like the like um, you, you can't inject him. She's like, uh, she's he's not my first super. I can do it. I'm like, oh, oh god, when she goes down the eye. Yeah, <gasps> uh, uh, not fun. Not fun for anyone involved. Um, Quick thing on the violence. Yeah. If a dead ever had problems, this guy's got somebody shoving an arm down to trash disposal. <laughs> <sighs> now, I think the Daredevil's fights were more visceral, but then again, the fights in this were supposed to be more street brawlery, which do make them a little bit more muddy. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just not going to be an easy... It's not a fair comparison because Daredevil's got martial arts to play with and this was more just like bar brawl kind yeah. of thing. Um, Although I do want to say, Nuke versus Jessica Jones... That was a satisfying fight. It was her apartment. Got Where was ever shit. Nuke versus Luke Cage fight? That's what I wanted to see. Maybe next, that next could season. Be cool. Maybe. That could be good. I'd, I'd enjoy that. But, what's the last thing I wanted to cover? I got so excited over the Nuke fight, I never forgot what I was going to talk about. You distracted me once again. Uh, well yeah, done. Nudge the Marvel Universe. Ah, that was it. Yes. There was that episode where she got kidnapped by the... Well, not kidnapped, but suckered in by that woman who said she was cheating on her wife and she was trying to make up for the incident, which she had to refer to the thing. That was stupid. I couldn't forget that. Oh no, I really like that episode purely because um, you, you get the the effects of the fallout and people dealing with the battle of New York in different ways. What I loved about that is that when it came full circle and Jessica found out what she was up to and just playing her for, for a fool and getting her to do mm-hmm. all this stuff, and she goes, "Hey, wall, it's not something we get a a hero to do, but often she." fucking intimidates this poor woman she says look I'm not I might not be friends with the Avengers but that's why you should be scared of me the news doesn't care about me and there are tons of us out there 99 friends obviously is an exaggeration but I'd quite like to believe that's how many heroes they've eventually planned just a little thing Joe would have been funny if we would have seen Kilgrave on the day of the incident I don't know if that would match up timelines when he was meant to be recovering from the kidney stuff, but he says you were just sat in a cafe in New York and one of the Chateri walks in and he just goes, shoot yourself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and just carries on reading the newspaper. That would have been funny. That's awesome. Um, that would be so Probably good. couldn't stretch too. Because we only got... This is what... Freak me out, right? They had that great shot of the bus crash where it like flips over and smacks Kilgrave at the right. You see it in episode one and that is it. Yeah. They spent all the budget and they only showed it once. I was like, can you just show it a bit more, please? It was <laughs> kind of cool looking. Um, I think that's everything, Michael. Basically. Oh, I'll tell a lie. There is uh, two nods to the wider Marvel Universe if indeed they do want to go down Stanley that Cameo! Stanley Cameo! of the same picture mm-hmm. uh, that's just got moved around the office, apparently. Uh, and they name-dropped uh, White Tiger. Not White Tiger, but the oh, yes, yes, yes. the human who is White Tiger. Mm-hmm. Which was cool. I guess they might want to do that. What was the other one? There was another one. You said there was two. It was. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it clearly wasn't that good. <laughs> but yeah, there was no mention of Nelson and Murdoch and no mention of Iron Fist, which is a bit... Uh, they haven't cast Iron Fist yet. So I See, I thought they would have at least said... Like the Rand Corporation, or something yeah. Like that. I'm still waiting for him to see something solid on Iron Fist. It seems like you know they got to the Luke Cage casting relatively quickly, and same with Jesse Jones. We just still not heard anything at all about Iron Fist. I'm still not entirely sold it's going to happen. The gears are apparently still turning, according to Marvel TV, but we have seen nothing and heard. Consid- nothing. Well, that's the thing. Next year is going to be Daredevil season two. Uh, when did Daredevil season one come out? That's February. 
it? That was April of this year. Okay, so April, we'll probably get Daredevil Season 2, and then we'll have Luke Cage in the back end of the year. You've got to then think, unless they're going to do Jessica Jones Season 2 at the start of 2017, that's probably where Ryan Fizz is going to slot in, and then we'll finish 2017 with the Defenders crossover. Bear in mind, it has still got to get to that point before 2019, so that everybody's in the universe before Avengers Infinity War Part Exactly, two. so I would think that's when Ryan Fizz is coming. Now, of course, with how quickly they can turn these TV shows around... Um, they're not going to have to cast him now, but I would think, considering the Heroes for Hire connection and how separate Iron Fist could otherwise be, I'd like to think Iron Fist is going to be in the Luke Cage series. Not as Iron Fist, he's just going to turn up and be Danny Rand, but we'll see. That'll be cool. Again, like one small point before we end and wrap this up. I like the idea because we're getting a second series of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I like quite like the idea of getting either the Heroes for Hire series after the Defenders as, as like a season two for both Luke Cage and Iron Fist, mm-hmm. but also possibly a season two of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I think seeing their relationship expand and obviously in the comics they come to a point where they have a child together. Mm-hmm. Seeing that would be kind of cool. Seeing how they deal as the only functioning couple in the MCU. And also their superheroes on the side. I could do that. That would be really cool. Make it happen, please, Marvel. Shall no. we rest there? I think that's good. Think of it, Michael. It's good. You should watch it, basically. Yep. Yeah. That's good, Daredevil. But still pretty good. Good for different reasons. Good for different reasons, Michael. Right then, you should go and check out foulandstamen.com. Why should you do that? Because there's more of this. Uh, last review we did was Spectre, and the next one will be Star Wars. Episode seven, The Force Awakens, unless <laughs> unless something comes up in the meantime, which are very much the good dinosaur. I'd be okay with seeing that maybe, but it's whether or not we get it out uh, whilst we've got we'll Star Wars see. week going on. <laughs> we'll we'll cover it at the end of the year review anyway, because that'll be the end of this month. Nah, looking forward to that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yes. Also, get ready. We are almost finished doing all of our recording stuff for Star Wars week. It's almost all in the bag, ready to explode. And what's the date we started on, Maggle? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'll put you on the spot there. I'll fill in. Yeah, yes, put me on the we've spot. We've got podcasts reviewing every single one of the Star Wars movies to date. We've got videos coming out every day in the lead to Force Awakens, looking at the best characters, the best battles, the best... Which starts on either the 10th or the 11th. I forget which one. <laughs> we haven't quite figured it out. Wait, Basically, we're, it's we're coming in. We're seeing it on the 18th. Yeah. So, 18th. Well, it came out on the 17th. Yes, that's the midnight showing on oh, the 17th. Okay, we're enough. seeing it on the... No, we're seeing it on the 17th. Correct, Michael. Well yes. done. So whatever is the the, the time frame before, behind the 17th, which is... The 11th. In that case, our series will start on the 11th. Which, you're listening to this, will be just under a week away. <laughs> good Lord. It's very good. I've got to get the jog on. I haven't even started editing all the stuff yet. <laughs> Poor little Maggle. Oh, pray for me, people. Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. Foley and T. Darren? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Goodridge. You can find The Goodridge Log on Twitter at Goodridge Log. Or you can just go to the website itself, www.thegoodridgelog.co.uk, where we've had the Jessica Jones All You Need to Know, which is still getting great traffic for me. So it's obvious that people are still finding this and still... It's, word of mouth is doing outrageously well for Jessica Jones, as it did for Daredevil. There's also my full written review of Jessica Jones... Uh, you can also find reviews for Assassin's Creed Syndicate that went up recently and many other things in between. Very much like similar to Darren, we do have an Everything You Need to Know article. We've got a full written review and a lot of other stuff about comic books if you go and search for the Pop Culture Club stuff because that is coming back, I promise. We've now finished 30 days of stuff of November so I can go and focus on other things, which is nice. Like editing. Like editing. 
Look out for Star Wars Week. See you soon.